Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin and the Food Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm Justin Bazzaro. I'm your host, and that's B as in boy, I-double-Z-A-double-R-O, in case anyone out there wants to try to spell it. And today, we'll be interviewing Honey Catering from Millen, Georgia. And the people that we have with us today that we're interviewing is Mary Beth Brown and her sister, the owner, Lazare Oglesby. How are you guys doing today? So tell me a little bit about, okay, you decided you're going to start a a catering company because the name's Honey Catering, but you specialize in cheesecake as we we heard uh, before the podcast started. But before we dive into that, sort of tell me your journey of how you guys got into starting this business and and why you started it. Okay, so... This is Lazare, and I knew from a young age that I wanted to own a restaurant. I think I told my parents somewhere around the age of seven, eight, nine that I just, I knew I wanted to own a restaurant because I just loved, like, the camaraderie and just the sense of fun and family and just gathering. I loved the whole social aspect just as much as the food because our family loved to go out and eat or prepare lunches at our family's kitchen house, which is Anybody else would call it clubhouse. We called it the kitchen house because it revolved around food. And I attended Georgia Southern University in Statesboro for two years and just didn't like it at all. Like, I wanted my hands to be in the food. So then I transferred to Aguchi Technical College and um, did their two-year culinary arts program and just went straight into the food industry and worked in several restaurants in Statesboro. And then I worked at a quail hunting plantation called Beaver Creek Plantation um, near Twin City, Georgia, where we did, I was their chef. And so I cooked like down home cooking, you know, for the hunters every day, breakfast. And then I also was able to really go back to my culinary school roots and try, you know, fun plated dinners for guests who were, you know, staying the night for dinner. And after working there five years, I just decided I wanted to kind of branch out on my own. And so I started a what was just going to be a catering company in Millen, my hometown. And I, was, I started out in the back of a little flower shop. I had a tiny kitchen, and I had about three tables where we were just going to serve, like, cheesecake and coffee. And it quickly grew in about three to five years you know, a restaurant, a freestanding restaurant with over 100 seats and just a bustling catering company. And and then Honey 2, we also have Honey 2, which is like a little casserole slash cheesecake, just a pickup spot in Statesboro. So we have Honey Cafe, our restaurant in Millen, and then we have Honey Catering, and then we have Honey 2, and then my sister, Mary Beth, I'll let her kind of tell you about how she got in on all this. Hey, Justin. Um, so I am the baby sister, about four years. Um, I've kind of taken after Lizaire. She's led by example, especially in the culinary world. Um, I attended Georgia Southern University, uh, and while I was there, I was employed by different restaurants that she was the chef at, whether it be working in the kitchen with her or waiting tables, and even after, you know, she was done in Statesboro, I 
I've continued on in the restaurant business, um, and I majored in in hospitality management, hotel and restaurant management. And um, when it got time to for graduation, I was required to do an internship where um, I chose to go to the Ritz Carlton in Amelia Island, and I wore many different hats there. I worked in recreation. I dressed up as a princess or a pirate. I worked in different restaurants. I worked for the front desk. Um, just all kinds of different things. But my last stint there, I was a I was the manager of housekeeping, which was quite the undertaking. It's the largest department in the hotel. And, um, you know, I just kept thinking, I'm doing all of this work, but who am I really doing it for? Is it for me or is it for the owners or the owners of the Ritz Carlton? Like, what what am I doing here? And I was, you know, about three hours away from family, and we're just an extremely, you know, tight knit group of people. And was there had started her restaurant in the back of the uh, flower shop, but decided that she was ready to grow and and do more. And it just so happened that those times collided and I said that I was ready to come back if she wanted my help. So we kind of started our, our ventures together. Um, and after, well, there, how long have we been back before we started going? About a year probably, right? So we worked together for about a year and it always kind of happens during the summer whenever we kind of start slowing down a little bit as far as catering because people in South Georgia don't want to get married in 110 degree heat. So we get bored and say, what what's something else we can do? What what can we add to this? And so we decided that we wanted to start a barbecue restaurant. Um, but we really wanted to do it the right way. None of this smoker business, no offense to anyone. Um, so we opened up Dolan's Barbecue. It's named after our grandfather. Um, it's only open Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and we cook everything fresh every every morning, 3 a.m., on a brick pit that's modeled after our grandfather's on our farm, on our family farm. And um, so the days that Dolan is open, I run that, and on the days that it's closed, I'm a honey girl. And even some days when it's open, I'm still a honey girl. So we go back and forth, and, and we certainly stay busy. But we love food and and kind of the lifestyle that it brings. Wait, so, okay. So we talked a little, you have Honey Catering, Honey 2, which is a, um, another cafe, or a pickup spot. Then you have Honey Cafe, which is a cafe. And then and then you also have a barbecue restaurant. And that is called, what was it, Dolan's? I'm sorry. Dolan's, uh-huh. And so, okay, you're you're quite the entrepreneurs here in food. And so, I want to talk more about this. Um, I mean, how do you manage all of it? Obviously, both of you are running around trying to do different businesses, but you know, you've got family and, and things like that. So, how do you manage all of that? It's not easy. I, well, I will say, Mary Beth's more of the organizational person, like. She does all the computer stuff. She answers the emails. She keeps us organized. And, you know, down at Honey, I do more of, like, the ordering, more cooking in the kitchen. But as we've grown, Mary Beth is just as good a cook as I am and can do anything in the kitchen that I could do. So, you know, when she comes up with the most amazing specials at Dolan's, 
she'll jump, you know, behind the line at Honey's when we need it to. She'll fry chicken or pork chops. Just, you know, she does a little bit of it all. And then I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention my husband, Johnny, because he's really just been gung-ho about the whole business from the very beginning. I feel like I could be the type of person that could just be complacent and do things in a small way, but he always pushes us and facilitates you know, us growing. Like if we get stumped on something, he'll make phone calls. And, and he and I are, cheesecakes are our other claim to fame. In the mix of all that, we're really known for our cheesecakes. And like I tell people, it's not a northern cheesecake. It's not a New York cheesecake. It's a southern cheesecake. It's a little bit sweeter. It's a little bit lighter and fluffier. Just we're in the south and and we don't we don't try to be our New York counterpart. We just try to do our own thing. And my husband and I are really the only ones that make the cheesecakes. And so, you know, he makes anywhere from thirty to a hundred a week and and sometimes I jump in and do the specialty ones. Uh, I I love what you guys are doing, and I love that you stay true to the South, and now's my favorite moment probably of the podcast, because we talked a little bit before we got on, and that you guys have, were in the Flavor of Georgia as a finalist in 2018, and, and obviously put in product this year as well for the Flavor of Georgia, but your 2018 product was a pimento cheese cheesecake. And for anyone in the audience that doesn't know this, which I'm assuming you don't, because it's the first time I'm going to say it, I love this cheesecake. I think it's phenomenal. And I was so disappointed when we heard, I heard before the podcast started that the thing died after that because it didn't win an award. But I'm like, it is such a creative idea to take pimento cheese and put it into a cheesecake. And I want to talk about all of your offerings and all your different businesses. And I actually want to spin your podcast into multiple businesses. Um, because you have different avenues. You have the barbecue restaurant, which I think deserves its own podcast, and, and as well as the cafes as well. And so if that's okay with you guys, let's go down the cheesecake route today and some of that and then really get into the other restaurants and, and do you guys into like a little bit of a mini series of different episodes around all your different food entrepreneurial journeys. Would that be okay with you guys? Right. We, could, we could talk about food for days. <laughs> well, that's good because we're gonna. We're, that's literally what we're gonna do. And so, let's talk about the pimento cheese cheesecake because as I asked them to be on, I didn't even realize it, and I'm having a flashback to 2018 as a judge. And it was one of, it was my favorite product of the flavor of Georgia in 2018 because I loved how you took two traditional things and merged them together and made this, in my opinion, this fabulous product. And it was so unique and it's so different. I don't think I've heard of anyone else doing it, but maybe I'm wrong. But tell me how you guys came up with the idea, where it came from, and and just what inspired you to do it. Well, I think... You know, we've entered, I think we entered our cheesecakes the year before, or maybe two years before. We, we, that was the third year of entering into Flavor of Georgia. The past two years before that, we had entered sweet, sweet. cheesecake. And so this, the savory pimento cheese cheesecake was really kind of a last-ditch effort. It was like, what's something else that we can do in addition to our sweet cheesecake that's really going to pique someone's interest? And um, and so that's what we did. That's kind of where we started, and 
pimento cheese is something that we sell a lot of at our Honey Pea location. We have three different flavors. We sell a ton of it here at Honey Cafe. We incorporate it into specials and caterings. Um, so we just kind of knew that was the route that we wanted to go in. And so we, we just worked on it and tried to, you know, we had to perfect the crust, of course, and we, we used pecans in the crust because we were just trying to and get cornmeal everything Georgia you could possibly think of. So we, I think the crust was made of Ritz crackers because I don't think there's anything better that you could serve with some IT. I mean, it's just basic. It's plain, but, I, you know, our dad grew, grew up, we grew up watching my dad eat pimento cheese on a Ritz cracker nearly every day. So we did the Ritz cracker and then we did some Georgia cornmeal. Right. And then pecans and, of course, butter because you have to have that. And that's what made the crust. And then coming up with the the pimento cheese cheesecake batter was kind of easy. We just incorporated our basic recipe of pimento cheese and did some egg and cream cheese and sour cream, just like our, our sweet cheesecake. We swapped out the sweet component of our sweet cheesecake for the savory component of pimento cheese. Yes. And then we... We also, I have to mention that we topped it with uh, pepper jelly, and we love Wisham's pepper jelly. Yeah, we, we love Eric Wisham. He, we started following him just almost as soon as we started working together in the restaurant business, and he was kind of just getting started. I don't even know that he had won Flavor of Georgia yet whenever we started uh, using his products, but we just, we've enjoyed following him and his journey, and he follows us, and we kind of keep up with each other. And that's, I, I would say our favorite way to enjoy pimento cheese would be with some type of jam or jelly on top. Because yeah. I just, I, I love, it plain I love like the crunchy, the savory, the sweet. I, I'm all about flavors and textures mixing together. And I love it. And actually something just occurred to me just based on my, my own food background. And the maybe the name is, is part of, I mean, pimento cheese cheesecake obviously sounds awesome to me, but... Maybe if it was like everything Georgia cheesecake, that would be pretty awesome as well, or something like that. Just because maybe if people are expecting um, something else, it may be different. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm trying to re-resurrect this cheesecake, just so you guys know, and I'm, the audience knows we need to resurrect this thing. It needs to come back. But um, before I get <laughs> down that road, you know, Eric Wisham, I love his jellies and his jams as well, or his jellies as well because his pepper jellies and things like that I use them every day and I use them on peanut butter and pepper jelly sandwiches which I didn't know would go together but it does very well you know and it's funny I've been trying to hunt him down like him and I like will schedule appointments and try to do a podcast and it's like this little mission that I'm on as a side note of trying to get him like nailed down to get on the podcast because he to me he has a great product line and what he's doing with jellies is just so incredible and his whole logo and all of that but it's really a, just as a side note. It's like I'm a African on an African safari trying to hunt the big five, and he's one of them. And I just need to get this one on my on my wall as one of the podcasts I do. But I really respect what he does as well, and and as a business person as well. So I think that's awesome. And um, so back to the pimento cheese cheesecake. I I love that you use rich crackers. I think the idea is just so amazingly awesome and it's such a twist on traditional cheesecake and even though like you said you kept southern with your cheesecakes overall what you did is created something that is so unique 
And when you do something like that as, as an entrepreneur in any business, and, and I know it myself is when you, when you come too quick to the game sometimes and you release something, you know, the first response by everyone is like, what the heck is going on? And, and you really get a divided group of people that either love it or hate it. And it just takes time to keep introducing it out there. So I hope that, you know, maybe it comes back because I think that what you guys are onto with that is something cool and maybe it'll come back. Now I'm going to have to come to one of your cafes and demand my special order of um, pimento cheese cheesecake. So there's that, but I think you guys are really onto something, but let's talk more about honey catering and, and the cheesecakes and the things like that. So Let's. What are all the flavors of cheesecakes that you guys offer, and and tell me about how you came up with each flavor. I mean, let's really dive into the the whole cheesecake thing because we haven't ever talked about cheesecake on this podcast. So I think it's something we can really dive into and and get an understanding of and and what it takes to make cheesecake and how you guys you know come up with your different flavors, basically. So I'll just kind of start from the beginning, like. Cheesecake is one of my favorite desserts. Like, even to this day, if we go out to dinner, I order cheesecake. And my husband's just like, are you kidding me? You're really going to order cheesecake? We've made over 100 this week. And I'm like, yes, because I just enjoy it. And I don't, you know, I don't think that mine is the only one that's the best. I just enjoy tasting different cheesecakes. And and honestly, any dessert makes me happy. But um, I would say I started with my cheesecake journey probably 10 or 15 years ago and I just started making cheesecakes like I'd try a basic recipe and I'd be like oh the crust isn't sweet enough because I had to make it a little bit sweeter because that's just what we do in the south and and then it was a little too dense so I added some more sour cream and then one of the biggest challenges was figuring out how to make them not turn brown and crack on top and I don't have the patience for all that water bath mess and I'm a horrible baker other than cheesecakes because I feel like I'm more of a cook than a chef because I just like to throw ingredients in until it tastes good. And obviously you can't do that with baking, but I had to make myself with the cheesecake. So I kind of settled in on a recipe and I just had to learn that you had to cook it really low and really slow. And so I started out with my, um, my grandmother's sister, we called her Baba. She was our great aunt, and I had her old hand-me-down KitchenAid mixer, and I could make, I think, two cheesecakes at a time in that mixer. This is, yeah, we still, we still have, have that mixer, by the way. It's still, still it's it. still going. Sometimes it smokes a little, but <laughs> we, we have to, we're going to bronze it if it ever dies. But anyway, so I would make two cheesecakes at a time, and then the, the oven that I had down in the flower shop was like this gas oven that I'd gotten used and it was a dinosaur and it cooked things so unevenly. So I'd had to, to cook the, make the cheesecakes, take them home, and I would cook them for five hours in my house, in my home oven. And I'd be up till all hours of the night getting them in, taking them out just to supply my little, my little place in the back of the flower shop with cheesecakes because people love them so much. And then as we grew, we purchased a convection oven. And then we we purchased another bigger mixer. And so now we have the tiny KitchenAid and then three other sizes of mixers. I don't even know what quart. My husband could tell you. 
And so now we make, you know, anywhere from 32 to 64 cheesecakes at a time. If that tells you how we've grown in the last in the last seven years. This has all happened in seven years, from making two cheesecakes to now making 32. Per batch. Per batch. <laughs> and so, okay, so you've got all this. So what are the, I mean, on okay, actually, let's start this way. What's your best-selling cheesecake? So our best-seller, I think, would be salted caramel, which I don't even like that one, but people just like it. It's pretty basic. It's pretty basic. And I would say, like, turtle, strawberry, blueberry, those are, you know, those follow closely behind. But then when we you have all, we, we have, I mean, we don't even necessarily have a list because we add new flavors, I feel like, every week. We have a hundred, we know of at least a hundred different flavors that we've done. Like, some, like, we do a fruity pebble cheesecake, which is totally disgusting to me, but people think it's so cute and very colorful, and they love it. And we do a Krispy Kreme cheesecake that has, like, Krispy Kreme donuts in it. It's, it's got the glaze on top. People think that's fabulous. Um, we do, like, creme brulee cheesecake, tiramisu cheesecake, apple pie, peach cobbler, blueberry muffin. Um, I did it. Well, we recently, this year, we did the peach cobbler, the blueberry muffin. We entered those two in flavor of Georgia. And then one that I really thought was fun was we did a peanuts in a bottle cheesecake because I don't, I feel like it's a southern tradition to pour salted peanuts in a cold bottle of uh, Coca Cola. So we did like a cheesecake with salted peanuts and then we did a Coca Cola glaze on top. So just, I tell people anything that tastes good alone tastes better in a cheesecake. That's our philosophy. So we'll put anything that will stand still in a cheesecake. And I, I want to talk about this a little bit because let's talk about what you just said about peanuts and Coca-Cola. Can you explain that a little bit? Because actually, I remember hearing this before, but I think it'd be great to tell the audience about that and, and then tell us how you took that concept and put it into a cheesecake. Well, I'll tell you, like, our grandmother loved, our mama's mama, we called her Bet-Bet, she loved Coca-Cola, and she maybe collected Coca-Cola things, like, she always had Coca-Cola in her refrigerator. Do you remember when she drank the little Coca-Cola yes. in the bottle, Mary? But she had she the didn't little, really like to share them with us. Very yeah, she would kind of hide them, because she didn't want us drinking all her, her baby Cokes, but anyway, and then there, we, we lived... We were um, reared on a farm outside of Garfield, Georgia, which is just, it's a little caution light. And, like, our afternoon trips would consist of riding with our granddad to the little store in Garfield. And you'd buy the little balls of Coke, and then you get a little bag of salted peanuts. Georgia salted Georgia, like the little, you know, the Georgia peanuts, they come in the, little red, in the little red bags. And we had T-shirts and everything else. And because um, our dad was a farmer, our granddad was a farmer. And so you just get that ice cold Coke in the bottle, pop the top off, drink a little bit out, and then you pour the salted peanuts in there. And they fizz, and it's just this perfect combination of sweet and salty. And you just you just have to try it to really understand it. I think that's amazing. I don't, I've, I'm going to have to try that now. So bottle of Coca-Cola, Georgia salted peanuts, and 
you actually put the peanuts in the Coca-Cola. And do you eat the peanuts yeah. once it's done? Drink a little of the Coke first, because if you put it's it's gonna make, it, it's going to look like a bo- the volcano you did in elementary school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good point. And, uh, yeah, it's a little bit of an experiment. And uh, it's probably like you probably don't want to drink it, eat the peanuts, and then drink the soda and put it in your stomach. But uh, I never thought about that, actually. And uh, I might I might have to try that just for fun. But it's it's pretty incredible. So... In doing the cheesecake, I love that you threw it back to that. I think it's just, it's really creative. And, you know, it's another, again, you know, there's the traditional cheesecakes you see in the grocery store. And what you're, what you're doing is pretty incredible. So how do, um, let's do this. Tell me how people can find you guys on, on social media or and the locations and where they can buy your cheesecake. So. The easiest way would be to go to our website. It's called it's honeycatering.com. And on our website, you can see all of our things are on there. Dolan's Barbecue is on there, Honey Catering, um, Honey Cafe. And then we have our cheesecakes. We have, you know, a list of some of the flavors of our cheesecakes. Obviously, not all 100 of them. And I also tell people, you know, if there's a cheesecake that you don't see that you want us to try, like I'm up for the challenge you know I I love it and you know we are able to ship our cheesecakes in the state of Georgia but we just don't have the volume like I feel like we felt like for the last like three or four years we've just been on the brink of something huge as far as shipping these cheesecakes but I feel like we have to have the volume in order to warrant like the demand in order to warrant like having dry ice and all the packaging and all these things. And that's why we have tried so hard to win flavor in Georgia because we just feel like we need that extra boost or or just the help because we've we've got so many great ideas, but we we have so many followers. We have so, people just love us. I mean, we call ourselves the honey girls most of the time and people just think we're cool and neat and just love to follow us and love to, just to watch our we progress. We incorporate a lot of our personal lives into our business. I mean, because it is, business is our personal life. That's but. what we do all the time. <laughs> we live this 24-7. <laughs> the banana pudding cheesecake on your website, I think I just ruined my keyboard. I think I drooled on it. But it is <laughs> the most amazing. I love the concept. And I'm like, I've never... And, like I lived in New York for for years, and and Junior's Cheesecakes is one of the big ones there, and they do a lot of different kinds. But and I've tried a lot of different types of cheesecake. But Andy, obviously, the Cheesecake Factory is probably big thing. But what you guys are doing in your concepts, I love what you're doing, and I think it's so amazing. And um, okay, so tell me, you know, what what did you enter into the 2019 contest for Flavor of Georgia? Was that blueberry muffin. We did a blueberry muffin, and we used um, we used dried blueberries in it from Vine Blueberry Farm, which is in Burke County. Yep. And, and his barbecue sauce, the blueberry barbecue sauce, actually won yep. in his in the sauce. Yeah, that's correct. And, um, and they're great. And actually, we just did uh, we just recorded a podcast with them as well. Or actually, for the blueberry farm, I've yet to do one with uh, a person that 
they actually make wings with the blueberry sauce also. So anyway, go on yeah. with the, the, the blueberries and the muffin. So we did that, and then we did a peach cobbler cheesecake, which we've been doing that for forever, I mean, here. And people just, people love it because it's, I mean, it's peaches. It's Georgia's peach cobbler, like what's not to love. But it have a pecan cookie? Oh, and it had, it had a pecan crumble on top because, of course, we were trying to get those pecans in there some kind of way. And we've done, we did a bourbon, we entered a bourbon pecan cheesecake. A and, bourbon brown sugar pecan cheesecake, and we used... Georgia-made bourbon, Georgia-grown pecans, like, it was all... We did that in the 2018, and nothing crickets. Like, I just wish we could understand, like... Or get feedback. I, we just want feedback, but we just... I feel like... I, I don't know, like, I feel like we we will have actually done something if we could get those, those flavored Georgia judges to just love our sweet cheesecake. <laughs> I don't... And it may never happen, but... I would feel like we had really done That's something. <laughs> so just because I, I have to read this. So I'm going to read. I have the list of all your cheesecakes. So I'm going to read it so the audience can draw along with me. And uh, okay. we're going to have people driving in their cars, listening to this, drooling all over the place. So anyone who looks next to them and sees someone drooling, they're probably listening to this podcast. It's um, so turtle praline, salted caramel, blackberry, strawberry, blueberry, peanut butter cup, cherry, cinnamon roll, sounds amazing, chocolate chip, Krispy Kreme, <laughs> and I can't say this, but Okichi River mud pie, which I love mud pie, raspberry, brownie chunk, key lime, banana pudding, obviously amazing, pumpkin, birthday cake, blueberry muffin, Peach Cobbler, Oatmeal Cream Pie, Red Velvet, Cream Brulee, German Chocolate, Brown Sugar Pecan, Tiramisu, Apple Pie, Strawberry Shortcake, and Chocolate Delight. I think I got all of them. Uh, at least that's on the website. But, I mean, even the Apple Pie sounds amazing. So, um, I mean, just Oatmeal Cream. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I could literally... I could. L- I would eat a cheesecake a day if I worked with you guys. It would be horrible for my diet. You, you would love them. You just have to try them. And, like, the oatmeal cream pie literally has little Debbie cakes in it. I mean, because, well, it's not I mean, it's just a little Debbie cake. Like, Oh, my gosh. You know, I, people, you're bringing like, me back to the day. I, I mean, used to eat those in my lunch all the time. That's what I'm saying. A lot of a lot of the food we prepare is somehow nostalgic to us. Like it has some <laughs> kind of meaning or memory that is, you know, goes along with it. And we're certainly not food snobs either. Like I can't like people say, "Oh, I don't want to cook for you," or you know, I can't believe you're eating here. And I'm just like, I would eat a hot dog from a gas station. Like I just, I'm not. I'm not that picky. Like, I could go to the nicest, most expensive place, or I could enjoy a bag of pork rinds. Like, I'm not high-maintenance. We just (laughs) like to eat. (laughs) Uh, And so let's talk about the cinnamon roll one, because you guys cheered for that one. And uh, tell me about that one and and the concept and what's in it. Let's describe it, because I think it's such an amazing concept. It makes you want to eat cheesecake for breakfast. Seriously. Like we, like we do, like pieces of actual cinnamon rolls are like we all of our our cheesecakes start with a basic recipe, right? And then we just add stuff to it. And so 
we just start with our basic, you know, cheesecake, classic cheesecake, plain cheesecake, and then we put pieces of cinnamon roll in there, and then we make a swirl with brown sugar and, like, loads of cinnamon and swirl that in, and when it bakes, it smells so wonderful, and then we do, like, an icing on top, like a classic, like, cinnamon roll, like, glaze slash icing on top. Oh, man, that's amazing. And it is so good, like, with a cup of coffee. Oh, and it'll put goodness. you, like, in a sugar coma. Like, it's really sweet, and we don't apologize for that. It's so good. <laughs> and so, okay, so I can come in. I can I can get it at any of the, the locations that you guys have, and I can order it online uh, only in Georgia or or how do I, can I have it shipped to Colorado, for example? Or is that, is there an order minimum and how does that work? No, like, like we, we're not pros at the shipping thing by any means, but we could get a cheesecake to you in Georgia. But, you know, you would have to order it. Like, we usually need almost a week's lead time, especially if it's a specialty one. Like, we, we would say a cinnamon roll is a specialty one because, that, that one's not available all the time. We just kind of make whichever flavor. We, we don't have, like, a certain rotation of flavors that we run, but we just, we always have, like, turtle, salted caramel, strawberry, blueberry, like, the basics with toppings, and then we just create which, whichever specialty ones we feel like doing that week or that we, you know, have the fresh ingredients for, and that's how that works. We can make them. We can make any of them at any time. We just need a couple of days lead time. No, understood. Can you? I mean, can you freeze it, cheesecake? I think you can, right? I I don't. I haven't experienced it that way. But can you freeze it before you send it? That's yes. the only way. That is the only way you can send them. And pretty much our cheesecakes have to remain completely frozen because of their. They're softer, lighter what, texture. Yeah, their yeah, their texture is so light and fluffy. They would just disintegrate, you know, with UPS tossing them around if they weren't completely frozen. Oh, that's so, interesting. Because um, I'm like, yeah. okay, now it's frozen, so it's it's got to remain frozen. So that's probably why shipping is so hard. Because once you once it starts to thaw in any way, you probably are going to lose integrity if it's bouncing around anywhere or in a truck or, or whatever to get to the person. Definitely. And, like, we, you know, people do want them shipped because they love them. They're like, can you ship one? But then we say, you know, the cheesecake costs $40 because that's just the basic cost of our cheesecake. Well, it's an additional $40 to ship, to ship it just because of packaging, dry eyes, the actual shipping. And then that kind of turns people off. But, you know, every we've ordered pies from Atlanta, and we've ordered cheesecake from Mississippi, and, you know, that's just kind of the going rate for a cold ship product. Because yeah. it does... The dry ice you know, alone is just a pain in the... You know what? I'm, I I deal with it delivering meals or shipping meals across the country and, and at home, but the dry ice thing is just a whole monster in and of itself. It really is. I was like, why couldn't we just be famous for a product that doesn't require like that. pepper jelly or something simple? But no, we have. But but I mean, it's just what we love. It's where our passion is, and we're just going to keep on trying. And it may be ten years from now, but we're gonna we're gonna figure out a way to make the cheesecake thing explode. We said that from the beginning. 
Yeah, you know what would be I'm just gonna throw it out there because I think it's amazing is you need like a you need like a cheesecake trailer or a cheesecake truck to go like take it with you versus just a location, go take them all over the world or to events and things like that and, and sort of market your brand to people at markets or things like that. I think it would be pretty cool. Maybe you already do, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there because that's gonna be my next question is how do you market it and get the the message out there about your cheesecakes? Well, I feel like probably word of mouth is our social media. I mean, like I've been a I've been a firm believer from the beginning of my business is I've really used like Facebook as a tool and Instagram because why not? Like it's free. Like I just think it's such a wasted asset if people don't use it. And so I just I post you know our I post our daily special. I post our menu, I post our cheesecakes, you know, we have a Facebook page, Honey 2, for our store in Statesboro, and then we have a Facebook page for Honey Cafe in Millen, and then, of course, you know, we've had our website redone in the last year. It's got a lot going on, but, I mean, it's a reflection of us because we have a lot going on. So, you know, we've kind of questioned, should we should we make a website that's just specific to our cheesecakes, but I just don't think we're there yet. So that that's always that's always a question for us. Like I feel like it's hard because we are in a small town, so I feel like we have to do all these different things. We go back and forth on what our sole focus should be and and you know, where we need to really put our time and energy because we do have so many different working parts that it's hard to but they, decide. But they all seem to go together and it seems like if you took one away yeah, we don't want to just take the heart out of our business because, you know, our cafe, like I said, we're we're in a small town, like a community of like 9,000 people, you know, and some days, you know, it's slow and then other days it's super busy and I feel like that's just something that all, you know, small town business owners have to deal with and so that's why we cater, you know, 40 to 50 weekends out of the year just just so we can keep it all going. Okay. And I want to get into the catering, but first I want to say this is, um, I'm working on a project in Milledgeville, Deborah and I, and, and uh, us as a company and building a commissary there, a co-packaging commissary. But one of the things we're going to do is build, um, we have a cafeteria that'll be sort of a, a food and beverage and an entrepreneurial place, an incubator for people to go and cafe and all that on the campus. But one of the things I'm already want to do is I haven't figured out the dessert option. So we're going to figure out a way that I can get your cheesecakes into our facility there as we open uh, beginning of next year. So that's something that I'm going to circle back around on and figure out how we can work together on doing that and, and and helping you guys out for sure because I there's nothing else like it in Georgia that I know of. Um, certainly that ha- no one like that has been on this podcast. So I will I would love to help you guys out and help promote your cheesecakes by doing that as well. That's awesome. And we do like I haven't said yet, but we we do have our cheesecakes in several other businesses like other restaurants. Other restaurants. In- in neighboring town. Like the Daily Grind in Statesboro carries our cheesecakes and their their little coffee shop is actually probably less than a mile from Honey Two where we sell cheesecakes. But 
she's just got her following and we have our following and so she's still able to carry our cakes. The people are sitting, a lot of people are sitting down in her coffee shop and enjoying a piece of cheesecake, whereas people that come to Honey 2 are picking it up. They're just grabbing it to go. And then we have uh, Bernie's, which is a restaurant in Swainsboro. Um, they, they get cheesecakes there and an Italian restaurant in Swainsboro carries them. I don't know, we, we really kind of talked about what you were saying, having like a, a cold truck or something. Like we really kind of thought about trying to get into specialty markets, like going down the coast, up and down the coast of Georgia, like, or going to Charleston and, and St. Simons, you know how uh, Southern Baked Pies, she sells like a lot of small specialty markets sell her pies. And so we, we kind of thought about going in that direction instead of doing, focusing so much on the shipping, but, you know, getting our name out there and getting our cheesecakes into places where we just had a truck that delivered cheesecakes to different businesses. And maybe that's the route to go. We just don't know. Like, I just, and I, I can't, I don't want to see our cheesecakes in a Sam's or like some huge, like, chain store because... We'd like them. I I think it takes the heart out of them. We just deal like dealing with other business owners and small business owners and just getting to know people. So I I think our passion would be more, you know, not just definitely the cheesecakes, but making all the connections that go along with the cheesecakes. Yeah, I got. I'm going to think about. I'm going to talk to some people. There's got to be a way to be able to ship your stuff um, without so much cost. I'm I'm not sure how to do it, but I got. We know people, a lot of people in logistics and things like that and do things like this for food. And so I'm going to ask around for you guys for sure, just as a side note. Um, there's some creative things that are coming out of the food world to cheapen shipping and make sure your stuff stays frozen and stuff like that. So um, I'm going to look into it and I'll definitely get back to you because, as I said, we'll probably record two more episodes, one on Honey 2 and Honey Cafe and then one on the barbecue place because I want to promote all those different businesses as well for you guys so let's okay let's jump from the cheesecake into honey catering so you know you talked about you have to do 50 events a year i believe you said um and and so you do that tell us about how you manage all that and and you're the first company actually on here that's talked about catering or having a catering business in any way so let's talk about that as well. You're a first of Cheesecake, and now you're the first of catering all in one episode. So tell us how you go about doing that and what that's like and, and, and how you get customers. I mean, it's a whole big realm out there. So tell us about that. Well, I would say it kind of started when I went to work for the Quail Hunting Plantation the five years before I opened my company. Like when they hired me, that was when the had tanked. Like... And so they had built a new lodge and, you know, most of their their quail hunting clients were corporate folks. Well, the first thing, thing that they put on their budgets were these extras, like, taking folks to go quail hunting. So we kind of had to figure out a way to supplement what we were losing in the quail hunting. So one of the owners, three brothers owned it, and, like, I think it was about two months after I started working there, his daughter was getting married, and she wanted to get married at the new lodge. And they said, well, can you cater a wedding for 400 people? And I said, well, I've never catered anything. And I said, but let's try it. So that was my first wedding, and we fed between 350 and 400 people. And then, you know, 
So after she got married there, then all these other folks wanted to. I started doing the weddings there with them, and I was like, well, I could do this on my own. And I just, I was, when I started my business in, it was August of 2012 that I opened Honey Catering. And my husband and I had just gotten married in March of 2012. So we were newlyweds, um, started a new business, and it somehow it all just worked out. We were, I felt like we were crazy half the time, but we made it all work. And, um, and we just started, I think I catered 20 weddings alone in my first year in business, but that was just because of the name I had made for myself at Beaver Creek. And I, I feel like that was just a huge jump start to my business. And so we did 20 weddings and plus other events, and that was before Mary Beth had come back home. And our business has just steadily grown, you know, from there. And we do, I mean, we cater many other events besides weddings, too. I want to pause like, one second. Your first okay. event that you catered was 400 people? Yes. <laughs> it was, and I don't know how we did it. Or, and, I mean, it, it took a lot of trial and error and learning and making some mistakes but I've just never been afraid and people say oh well how are you going to do it or like you know we don't do this often we we don't try to really schedule more than two events on a weekend because either either myself or Mary Beth likes to be at every event but we have done as many as three and fed you know between 700 and 900 people you know when you combine the three but people say, well, how are you going to do it? And I'm just like, we will just make it ha happen. Like, we're just, we don't take no for an answer. And, okay, so I want to get more into it. So I'm just going to keep asking questions because, well, in our business, we do meals for hospitals and long-term care homes. And I know the size of our facilities to create the, you know, the 20 million meals a year we serve and all over the country but I mean, so you didn't have a kitchen at first. I mean, I assume there was no honey cafe or whatever you use now to help cook the food or prepare the food for catering. So did you do all 400 people out of your house? I mean, how did you, I mean, I'm a little bit, or was it, were you able to use the facility at the, was it at the plantation you said at the quail hunting plantation? I can't remember what the name was because I was so blown away by 400 people. Well, so that was my first actual catering event, not as my own business, but as a chef there at Beaver Creek. So that had a super nice, you know, kitchen there. So okay. that was, you know, like they had like a walk-in cooler, freezer, the whole nine yards. So that, I felt like, wasn't too hard. But now when I started Honey Cafe, like we were in the back of a little flower shop, and my kitchen consisted mostly of sinks, because as you know, if you're in the restaurant business, you have to have 5,000, 50 million sinks that, I mean, do serve a purpose, but they can, it just kind of gets ridiculous. But anyway, and so, and then we had a six burner gas stove and oven, and I had, I think, like a two door fridge, and I had a little cheesecake case, and we fed, I mean, I think I fed 300 people out of that kitchen. And if you ask me how I did it now, I don't know, but we, like, we could make it happen, and like, we had a big construction company that was building a plant here in town and the guys, you know, were from all over the place. And I think they just took a liking to us 
just because we were a little bit different and didn't do the same old stuff. So they'd come and eat at our place. And so they would, once they reached like a safety, like goal or whatever, for, I think where people weren't getting injured or whatever. How do you say that, Mary Beth? Well, I mean, it was a safety. Like if they went so many months without somebody getting injured, they'd feed all 300 or 350 people a meal. And so they'd ask us, would we do it? And, I mean, it was a lot of money to somebody who was just starting a business. So I'd just say yes and figure out how to do it later. But we would borrow the grill from my dad. We have a big pull-behind grill or whatever, and we just cook turkeys and hams and cook stuff in the roasters, just however we could make it happen. And that's how our business has grown. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. So... How do you come up with a menu then? Do you have a standard menu of offerings you have for catering? Or tell me, you, you okay, let's walk through this. So someone contacts you for catering. You know, what are sort of the steps you take to get to a menu, to get them on board, and then to cater to the event? I mean, it's a lot of coordination, and you're having to order products in and things like that. So just sort of, just so the audience knows, because it is, I mean, you're literally like moving an army, let's be honest. Like you're moving everything you need from one location to another and there's logistics and everything else involved. So tell me about that. I'll, I'll let Mary Beth tell you about that because like if somebody calls about catering, I just say, will you please send us an email because we just like to keep an email chain of everything and I'll let Mary Beth take it from there. So when, when someone reaches out to us, um, whether it be via phone or email, you can reach us either way. You can go through our website um, and send an email through there to inquire about a date. You can get to us through Facebook. But email is our preferred way of contact just so that we have a line, of, a chain of emails that we can follow. Um, so our, our first question is always, you know, when is your event? make sure we have the date available. Second is, is this full service where we come in, we set up, we do our whole shebang, we bring all of our serving pieces, chafing dishes, staff to replenish, or is it just a drop-off, which is something, you know, we offer that's a less expensive way to serve our food, um, you know, where we just bring things in disposable containers, there's no setup or, you know, staff that stays, we just bring it there. Um, and then we... We have on our website kind of a list of different things that we offer, and it is categorized by meats and sides, and some of it's categorized by what kind of event you're having, whether it be a brunch or heavy hors d'oeuvres or, you know, dessert or whatever it may be. Um, but we really, you know, we've seen other catering companies who who give you a sheet of paper or whatever and say, okay, from this list you pick two meats, from this list you pick however many sides, you pick a bread. You pick Like, we really try to customize menus according to what people want and what the event is and what time of year it is. We really try to be seasonal as far as our menus go. Um, and, you know, some people just want good old down-home southern cooking fried chicken, pork chops, macaroni and cheese, that whole nine yards. But then we also have a more high scale, you know, we've selections of offers. We've done vegan waffles. Are you still there? Yep, still here. Okay. Um, you know, we serve quail or duck or, you know, we, we've gone the whole route of wild game dinners. Venison lasagna. Venison lasagna. We, we just catered something for a group of, um, 
it's for a lumber company that we cater for a lot. And we did like a cast and blast theme that was fish and quail. You know, we just really try to base our menus on not only what what other people want, but we really try to like we serve what we would want to eat more than anything. Wouldn't you say, or what, or what, or what we think we're the best at? And so, okay, so, I mean, that's amazing. So, do, I mean, do both of you have a culinary background? I guess we kind of stumbled across it, but, I mean, your formal training, I, I want to go back and revisit it because we a little bit talked about it at the beginning, but, you know, we're, I mean, talk to me about that and, and how you got to where you are. And did you grow up in a family of entrepreneurs? I mean, you're both sisters. You both have an entrepreneurial mind, obviously, and a great work ethic, and you're 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 creating all these businesses. So tell me a little bit about that, just because I'm curious of how this whole thing came about really together. I mean, because you jumping right in, like you said, and, and going in head first, like I'm one of those. I I learn how to swim after I I jump in the pool. But tell me about all of that. And we grew up on a farm, which I just think after watching our our dad and our uncle and our grandfather, like, farming is certainly not an easy profession. It's, it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of sleepless nights. And, and our mom was, as we were growing up, she, um, she was a defect caseworker. You know, she was not always in the best parts of town or whatever, but she was very passionate about her job. Um, but we always, like, all of our, I, I guess our social time was focused around meals, which kind of sounds crazy, but, I mean, that's, like, we're the kind of family that as we're eating lunch, we're talking about what we're going to have for dinner, so I don't, that's just how we've always been, and whenever we spent time with our grandmother on our, our dad's side, something we always did was cook with her, whether it be waffles or cookies or rice krispie treats or peas or whatever it may have been um and our granddaddy like he was retired you know by the time we were growing up and so basically what he did is he he cooked at his kitchen house i mean he would can anything like he canned muscadine grapes i mean i think you call that wine i don't know but like he would he would can or put up anything and he and his best friend just spent their days cooking, and they cook for lunch for everybody, for everybody at the farm, or they feed the brotherhood, or they would feed my dad, like, chemical meeting or something like that. But I would say our, our granddaddy had a, a real entrepreneurial, like, spirit. I mean, he just loved, he was huge in Farm Bureau. He was very well known in the community. He, he, he tried to give back in a lot of ways. Um, and he just, like, he could... He never met a stranger, and if you went out to lunch with him, which we did as children, we would go every Saturday, and we'd go eat at Boyd's Barbecue or Hook's Barbecue, our favorite places, but if you went to lunch with him, you might as well just plan to stay at least two hours, because he was going to find somebody he knew, and find out who they were related to, and, and somebody that we were related, related to them somehow, <laughs> which is just small town living, I guess. But I, I had a, a gentleman that's probably around my dad's age. He told me one day I, he was eating in a restaurant, and I was running back and forth. And my mama's mama taught in school, and he knew my granddaddy. And he said, he said, Lazare, you're the perfect mix of 
of your your grandma's. I don't know. He didn't say jittery nerves. What did he say, Mary Beth? I don't know. He said something like her not being able to be still, and then my granddad's entrepreneurial like ways. So it's just like we don't stop. We're always going. We're always thinking of new things. We enjoy meeting people, talking to people, and it usually, you know, comes back to to food or revolves right. around food in some way. And Lazare's focus when she was in school. She did get a culinary degree, whereas mine was more front of the, front house. Of the house, hospitality based, um, which was good. We needed both, and I think going and working for a company as big as the Ritz Carlton it gave me a lot of insight into how I wanted to run things, but also how I didn't want to at the same time. Um, so I just think the experiences that we've had in life so far have definitely led us to where we are now and given us, you know, great. And I would have to say our our dad has two brothers and my daddy is the oldest brother and then he, is, he and the baby brother have farmed together all their life and then, you know, the middle brother's with them too all the time and so I think we've just always seen them working so close together, you know, as a family and I feel like a lot of people say, you know, family can't work together or it's hard. But, you know, Mary Beth and I, we get along and we just, even when we're not working, we're together. Like, that's just, we're best friends. And, like, whenever we first decided that we were going to do this whole thing together, our mom, she was like, you know, it worries me. I just don't want this to be, turn into something and and you guys never want to be around each other again or whatever. But we really, besides some little argument about, maybe whose hair looked better or something silly like that, you know. Um, we we just, like I said, we're best friends, and, and we toss ideas off of each other, and we're brutally honest sometimes. And but we don't always have to agree. No, because we don't always agree, but, it, but, but you, in a good way. Yeah, yeah, like it's not, we don't always have to agree, but usually one concedes because they know the other one's probably right. Is right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I want to just touch upon one is I'm um, and I myself grew up on a farm, so I'm I may be biased, but I think you learn a certain work ethic from the farm. I agree that translates well into being an entrepreneur, and then just having the entrepreneurial attitude that's passed down from generation to generation is amazing. And then obviously having family involved in the in in what you're doing, I think there's a certain level of trust and honesty that goes on in business. And even when it's uh, immediate family or it's extended family, there's a comfortability level that happens in honesty that can grow. So I love that you guys talked about it. Are you the only two uh, siblings? We have a younger brother who is um, a, a lot younger. He's, seven years younger than I am and 11 years younger than Lazare. Um, he just graduated from Georgia Southern last year. And he does, we um, we kind of roped him in. Like, he cooks for us at the barbecue restaurant uh, one day a week. And, you know, while he was in college, we would have him bartend at events for us and things like that. Um, but he is, he's the baby brother. He's the golden child. So he's kind of rotten. We try, we try to boss him around and, and make him do what we want to do, but he's definitely got, got a mind of his own. It's, so it's the the honey gals and the stinger boy, basically. I guess. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. guess you could say that. Yeah. 
And but, but he'll help us anyway. He does. When we ask him, I just like he's not as outspoken or opinionated as us. Or if he is, he just he's more quiet. And we're just like, where did he come from? Right. <laughs> right. Well, and I love what you guys are doing, and, and I think the real thing behind the business, obviously, is the two of you and your personality, so I really, I think you guys being out there and, and making sure you're at events and talking to people and getting in front of people as much as you can, I think is pretty important, like the things about Flavor of Georgia and things like this podcast are amazing, which is why I want to do two more episodes with you guys, because I think that um what you have to offer and your personalities and just you have a real talent for being entrepreneurs and, and starting businesses and and you know not just one but expanding out your brands over the years and so i just want to really touch upon that so i don't want to keep asking questions because i want to save some of the questions for the next episodes but I really appreciate you guys taking the time to be on and, and again, adjusting a half hour for me because we were running a little bit behind on recording today. But you guys have such an amazing story. So let's, um, let's do this. Let's, let's sort of cut it here because we're going to go into a part two and a part three with um, Honey 2 and Honey Cafe as well as Dolan's Barbecue. So I, I thank you guys again for being on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having us. And uh, so the audience knows if you like what's going on and what we're doing, please share the episodes. There's a lot to learn here, a lot of great stories. We're getting to know a lot of great um, people and their businesses and their great food, beverage, and nutrition entrepreneurs. Uh, If you want to be on the podcast, you can reach me at justin at thefoodentrepreneurs.com or on social media at Justin and the Food Entrepreneurs, both on Instagram and Facebook. So thank you everyone for listening in and stay tuned for part two of this little mini series where we have Honey Cafe and Honey 2 and Lazare and Mary Beth back on. And thank you guys again for, for doing this. Thanks, Justin. Thank you. Thank you.